Thank you for downloading the following message from the Pickerington Church of Christ. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you walk with the Lord. For more information or to find additional resources, locate us on the web at pickeringtonchurch.org. Enjoy the message. I want to talk about its potency, the, the idea of does it really work, and more specifically, the question that I get from a lot of people and a question I've had in my own life, and I'll tell you my story here in just a minute, um, not just does baptism work, but did mine work? Did mine work? So I get this question a lot, and one of my favorite uh, things to do with people when I'm talking with them or getting to know them is to hear from them their conversion story. Uh, sitting in this room tonight, uh, there's all kinds of different conversion stories when a person became a Christian. Some of you were really young, and you were kids, and you understood exactly what you were committing to and you were all in early some of you grew up with your bottoms in the pews and maybe waited till later in life to give your life to christ some of you didn't grow up in a church environment at all and were taught the gospel later in life and as a believing adult were immersed into christ and i love hearing those stories but inevitably when i get around to those stories of people oftentimes there's some things i hear and i'll share a few of those with you so one is um, I was baptized as a baby. Do I need to be baptized again? Let me tell you, I was. I found this out like three years ago. I'm Presbyterian. Did you know that? <laughs> My mom was a church hopper when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, if you know what that is, ask me later. And um, apparently that was a good way to make the Presbyterians happy in New Concord, Ohio. So I found out, you know, a few years ago I was sprinkled as a Presbyterian. So I don't know if I have to, like, take a particular bath to get that taken care of. But that's true for me. Um, another one I hear oftentimes is something like, I've questioned my baptism. I was very young and didn't understand what I was doing. Do you think I should be baptized again? I've heard people say, you know, I've fallen away since I was baptized, and now that I've come back, do I need to be baptized again? I've heard people tell me things like, I was sprinkled for my baptism. What do you think? Should I do that again? Or I was baptized as an outward expression of inward grace. Should I be baptized again? And come to find out, I've been baptized, I guess, three times. Um, I'll tell you about it in just a minute. The baby one was first. This, this one's, the last one's my second one. I've heard this oftentimes. I was baptized for the wrong reasons. I just did it for the wrong reasons. So my story, as I told you quickly, um, I was sprinkled, I guess, as an infant. Don't remember it. Don't have the gown that I wore when it happened. Um... But I just have this baby book that has like three pieces of information. It has one medical piece of information. It says that I was baptized, and it actually it just tells my baby weight. And then that's the end of my baby book. I was the second kid. You know how that goes. And um, so I found out I was baptized as a My mom didn't have any sort of connection. Um, my mom, when I was two, my brother was four. Um, at 30 years old, came down with chicken pox. We lived in the apartment just above the, just in the New Concord Church. Some ladies heard about that. Um, they started bringing my family food. They started watching my, uh, my brother and I. My mom was in the hospital for like 31 days or something like that. She got down to 68 pounds. She almost died and um, recovered. And then her church hopping day stopped after that. Started walking down the street to the Church of Christ. She was converted to Jesus um, by the wonderful minister there, Dick Harris. Um, and then she took me and my brother, kicking and screaming, you know, uh, every week after week. Um, and then my dad was baptized when I was 12. I don't know how old he was. And we grew up. But so one time, 
I was eight years old and I was playing summer baseball and my favorite team in those days was the Pittsburgh Pirates, Andy Van Slyke and oh Andy's got my shirt on today, good. Bobby Bonilla, Barry Bonds, those were the cool players um, back in those days and they, they used to wear gold chains with a cross on them, you know, outside of their jerseys and it would be really big and it would hang and they would swing their bats and you would see it and I just thought those guys were so cool. So one night after a game, I've got my baseball outfit on, you know, my pants and uh, all that. And we go down to my grandmother's house, and we're seeing her having dinner and hanging out. And I look up, and no one's around. And in my grandma's jewelry case is a gold necklace with a gold cross on it. I'm like, Whoop. open the doors, grab grandma's necklace, put it in the back of my baseball pants. Now, if you've seen baseball pants, the 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 pockets, the back pocket doesn't really cinch too tight you know what I mean it's just more like a like a Walmart bag that's just kind of hanging back there so I drop it in hanging out everything's cool we go home I'm eight years old I can't I don't know what when I thought I was going to wear it you know but I just that's as far as I thought and so that night getting ready for a shower I take the pants off and it falls out and I don't see it and I go to get in the shower and guess who finds it dad does he's like what's this so you know, there was a list of things that I had to do and had done to me and um, <laughs> called grandma. But guess what I did the next morning? Eight years old. You know, mom and dad, I've been really thinking I want to get baptized. And I had zero interest in being baptized. But you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to distract them from the trouble that I was in. Seriously, this is a true story. I, I had not been thinking about baptism. I had not been um, really taking serious understanding who Jesus was. I grew up from the time I was about three years old in the pew. So you know how that goes. So those of you who have grown up in here, you can repeat the, the language pretty quickly. Um, and I was just so scared about how much trouble I was still in that I diverted attention. And guess what? It worked. <laughs> It really worked. I mean, like, you know, baptized that next day, and, you know, cards were coming in the mail, and, oh, man, it worked. And then I went back to, you know, just living like a kid, and I had zero interest in Christ. Then at 18 years old, I go to our summer church camp down in Hervida um, in southeastern Ohio, and I finally meet somebody who I connect with and I get to know, and I'm really convicted about who Jesus is, about the life that I've been living. And that summer, I made a decision by faith to die to my old self to let Jesus Christ wash me clean of my sins and to be a follower of him and I was baptized into Jesus Christ so I tell people I was baptized one time I used baptism a couple other times but I was baptized one time and so I tell you this because not just for you to understand my story but because I get this question a lot especially from people that grow up in the church Maybe they were baptized at a younger age. They understood things at a certain age. And then they get a little bit older and they wonder, okay, was I ready? Was I mature enough? Um, and I just want to, I want to tell you this first of all, that this subject won't be solved in a sermon, that you need good godly wisdom and counsel from people if you do have this question. Because it's not just a simple answer, but I want to point you to a few places in Scripture to try to help us um, think through this. Maybe if you're thinking about it or if you need to be prepared to help somebody else who's thinking about that as well, okay? So first of all, it's important for you to understand what a true biblical understanding of baptism really is to really be able to evaluate when people tell you what's going on with their baptism. So first of all, the practice of Christian baptism 
is something that is received by a person who has decided they want to place their faith in Jesus Christ and not themselves anymore. You see, the totality of life is deciding what you're going to trust. Everybody operates by faith. Everybody operates under trust. They're going to trust something. They're going to trust themselves. They're going to trust the career path they're choosing. They're going to trust some institution. They're going to trust their parents. They're they're going to trust something. And baptism is the moment when a person decides what I'd like to do is transfer my trust, my eternal trust, from myself or from anything else, and I want to place that in Jesus Christ. They are choosing to trust Jesus and not themselves for a few things. One, you're trusting Jesus for forgiveness of your sins. That when guilt and shame come upon you because you know that you have wronged and you have done sin, you've got to figure out what you're going to do for that guilt to be done away with. Are you going to try to do enough good works to clean it up? Are you going to try to, you know, hide it and be a hypocrite? Are you going to go to Christ and say, I want what you did on the cross for me to forgive me, and I'm not going to trust myself anymore. It's trusting Jesus to wash you clean of your sin. You're also choosing to trust Jesus for his righteousness to stand before God. One of the core things about Jesus Christ is that he lived a perfect life. So when he went to the cross, he didn't actually deserve to die the death of a sinner. But when he did that, he was giving to us, not only taking from us our sins and the punishment we deserve, but he also gave back to us the record of what is called righteousness, his perfect righteousness. So when you become a Christian and you are baptized into Jesus Christ and you are raised to a new life, the Bible, Paul's favorite phrase, 161 times he says, you are in Christ. That means Christ covers you, he clothes you. So as I stand here today, and I look to the heavens, and I'm before the throne of God, I can only stand before God, I can only bring my prayers to God, I can only offer my worship to God in the name of Jesus, meaning this, God, see me as you would see Jesus. See me as a perfect son of yours only because of Jesus, not me. He got the perfect score on the test, I didn't, and I'll take his score and not mine. Are you following with me? So when you're baptized, you're saying, I want his blood to wash me of my sins i want his righteousness to be what gives me the ability to stand before god and baptism is also you saying i trust god to raise me to everlasting life you see when jesus died on the cross went into the grave and then three days later rose back by the power of god what you're saying is jesus i trust you that you have paved the way into eternal life and i would rather follow you than follow any other way to eternity. So when a person who believes in Jesus Christ says, I want to be baptized, they're transferring their trust, dying to themselves, being raised in Jesus Christ to say, He has washed me of my sins. His righteousness gives me access to God now, and I can be a child of God, and I know that I'm going to have eternal life because of Him. Acts 2.38 tells us that when they were cut to the heart about the sin that they knew they committed, He said, okay, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent, which means turn back away from sin and towards God. Be baptized for the remission of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Turn over to 1 Peter 3. I want to to read this one with you. This one's a really important one as people think about their own baptism. Because 1 Peter 3 doesn't just give you the method of baptism. It speaks about the heart of baptism. 
So in 1 Peter 3, verse 21, so Peter does a great job here at the end of chapter 3 taking the story of Noah and correlating that to the story of Christ and how Noah himself had to crawl into an ark and the door was shut and then water separated the sin that was left in the world and Noah that was in the ark. And he says it's similar to that. That's how baptism sort of works. We go into Christ. So it's not the water, it's Christ that saves us. And it separates us from sin. And here's what he says in verse 21. Baptism, which corresponds to this, that is the the water that's talking about there with Noah in verses 19 and 20, corresponds to this, now saves you. Now here's how it works. Not as a removal of dirt from the body. So pause. Is the power of baptism in the liquid that's in the baptistry? Is there any power inside of that liquid? None at all. There's nothing mystical about the water we have in there. In fact, I guess it's Aquafina, so it's probably the nicest baptistry water that's in the world right now. You know, we got nice water out there. We used to have really stinky egg water. And now we got nice Aquafina water. And guess what? Both of them work the same. Because the power is not actually in the water. Because it's not about removing dirt from the body, but what is baptism? Look what he says. It's an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, when you go down into the water and you come back up, as I mentioned, you're dying to yourself, you're being united to Christ, to raise, to walk a new life. It is, it's an appeal to God. It's a calling out to God. It's, a, it's an expression of God saying, God, through the resurrection of Jesus, I want to be saved by him, not myself. That's what baptism really is. That's what's so important for you to understand when you're baptized. That's what makes baptism really baptism. And not just swimming in water and going under and getting wet. It's that you're appealing to God for a clean and good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to know that you are saved. Okay, so baptism, you receive this when you decide to place your faith in Christ. It's when you, as I've mentioned already, when you die to your old self, the man of sin. That's one of the themes we see in the Bible is that there's an old self, a man of sin, that we die to, and we're raised to walk in a new life. Paul would say it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, that if anyone is in Christ, that's his um, catchphrase for being baptized, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Remember this morning we said, like, your past sins and people's other sins against you can't actually deter God's will from your life? That's what he's talking about. He says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Romans chapter 6, this is another important one to read, so let's read this together. Tells us about baptism. I wondered if um, the church in, in Rome that Paul was writing to, had some people asking this very same question about their baptism because Paul in Romans 6 is writing back to Christians who have already been baptized but he's reminding them what it was really for and what it was really about so he says in verse 3 do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father we too might walk in newness of life he would go on to say that you and I should reckon ourselves Craig you know what that means right that's an old West Virginia term to reckon yourself right that means to consider to think about to determine with your mind 
he says that we should reckon ourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God. Meaning each day you wake up after you're baptized into Jesus Christ is the day you decide my old man is dead, the new man is alive. That's how I'm going to live today. Paul would say, I die daily, 1 Corinthians 15, meaning that I wake up each day saying, my old man is put to death, my new man is alive. So, baptism is a birth and the point you begin to grow and mature in Christ. It's when you're born in Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. Here's what's really important. Baptism is the birth in Jesus Christ. When you become a spiritual infant, a baby, a tiny little helpless babe in Jesus Christ and here, here's why that's important because one of the main things I hear from people about should I be baptized again is I know more things now than I did then so should I be baptized because now I know more I've grown more I'm more mature now here's the deal baptism is not what you get qualified to go do baptism is what qualifies you are you following with me? Did I say too? I sometimes say things a little messy. Baptism is not what you get qualified in your life to then go do. Baptism is what you do so then you're qualified by Jesus Christ. You see, baptism is what you do not to save yourself. Baptism is what you do when you finally realize you can't save yourself. You, you see the difference? Okay. That's very, very important. So when you grow and mature in Jesus Christ, that's a sign that new life happened in your baptism and you're now maturing in Jesus Christ. You should trust what you did. Okay, so baptism, as I said, is not how or why, but it's when you are saved in Jesus Christ. The story I like to point to is the story of the Exodus. You know the story when Israel's down in Egypt and they are in slavery and that story is used over and over in scripture to really depict the idea of us being in sin and a prophet like Moses Jesus coming and delivering us and releasing the bondage of slavery and then we walk out as God's people and then we cross through the Red Sea baptism we move on to our journey in life it's, it's a great sort of analogy that the Bible uses but if you look back in that story um, let me ask you this question when when was Israel saved and I, I get into this conversation with people who want to get a little theological about baptism. So you might say, well, I guess in the mind of God, when God decided he was going to, it's as good as done, right? It's God's will. Or was it when Moses was born? Was it when Moses was saved in the river by Pharaoh's daughter? Was it when Moses went back and um, spoke to Pharaoh? Was it when Moses, um, finally, they ate the Passover and they walked out? When was it? Well, that's not really the question. If you asked Israel, if you asked Israel, the, the people, when were you saved? You know what they would say? When we crossed the Red Sea. Now here's why. So all this is happening, the power and the might of God. When you read the story, you don't have any doubt, do you? You know, like plague one, plague two, God's got this. Pharaoh's saying, I'm not going to let you go. We're just laughing because we know that God's going to win. But Israel's in the moment, right? They're fighting. And they come out. You remember they're going north and they're going south. They're going north, they're going south. And they come to the edge of the Red Sea. And they are scared to death because here comes Egypt, right? Egypt is the most powerful nation in the world at this time. And they're bearing down on them. And all they have is a bunch of water in front of them and a powerful army coming after them behind them. 
And they're crying, and they, they're coming to Moses saying, what are we going to do? And Moses says, stand still and see the salvation of your God. They go to sleep in their tents that night. They probably didn't sleep. Moses all night holding his staff, isn't he? The waters part. They walk through the Red Sea. Who goes in behind them? Egypt goes into the water. Does Egypt come out? Their enemy chased them into the water. Their enemy didn't come out. The moment Israel knew they were saved was when they crossed through that water. Now see, people get into those arguments about when. Okay, what matters is when they went through that water, they knew their enemy went in and their enemy didn't come out. Now how does that relate to you? When you go into that water, your enemy chases you. All your sins, all your demons, all the things that pull you down, all your guilt, all your shame goes into that water. But you know what doesn't come out? Your sin doesn't come out. It dies in that grave. Hebrews 11 says that Egypt went into the water and didn't come out because they had no faith. They were the enemy of God, not the partners with God. Okay, so when should a person be baptized again? Let me give you just a couple to consider. Some scenarios I would tell you to consider. First one would be this, baptism without immersion. I can only tell you this, that, that the Greek word for baptism is baptizo, which is then transliterated into English. It's, not, it's a made-up word to give us a word. The best English word translated from Greek is the word immersion, to be immersed. That, that's what the word means. We use the word baptize just because it was kind of given to us as a transliteration. Really, the best word for us to use is to immerse people into Christ, to plunge people into Christ. This was used, this mode of baptism being immersed fully into Jesus Christ is the one that was used from the day Christianity started in Acts chapter 2 all the way up mostly through church history. People are immersed into Jesus Christ. It means to dip or to plunge. And there's not just a methodological reason for this, there's a theological reason. You see, when you are baptized into Jesus Christ, you are putting on display the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you can picture this, Jesus hung on the cross, went into the grave, and then resurrected back to life. And that's exactly what we um, portray when we're baptized into Jesus. You're displaying your trust in the gospel. So if you were baptized without immersion, I would ask you to consider um, that baptism. Second one would be this. A baptism without a purpose. A pointless baptism. Maybe you've heard people say, I was baptized as an outward sign of an inward grace. It was just sort of an activity I did. If you were baptized because maybe everyone else was doing it, or because you were making some outward display of some inward feeling you had, baptism is never prescribed in Scripture for those things. Baptism is not prescribed as something we do like collectively as a group because we just feel like doing it. Um, It must have a purpose. Think about in my case when I was eight years old. I was using baptism as a distraction, right? That's baptism without a purpose. That's why it wasn't really truly a baptism. So I would have you consider that scenario. Let me give you the third one, Acts 19. Let's read this one, Acts 19. So Paul's traveling all these different places, meeting people who are typically Jewish, sometimes not, some Gentiles and teaching them the scriptures, baptizing them. We see story after story after story of Paul and Peter baptizing people into Jesus Christ. He comes to Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. And you find a really interesting story here. Let's read verse 1. It says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. He found some disciples 
of Jesus. Verse 2, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said to them, no, we have not even heard there was a Holy Spirit. He said to them, into then what were you baptized? They said to him, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized was the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after them, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So the third case I would tell you is this, is baptism without understanding. Now this is the tough one, as I mentioned before. What exactly do you need to understand to be ready to be baptized? Now ideally, once you become a Christian, you'll continue to grow the rest of your life, and your understanding will grow, your maturity will grow. And as I mentioned before, this is probably the key reason people talk to me about being rebaptized: is I know more now, or I'm unsure of what I knew then. Let, let me tell you at the base level, here's what matters at the beginning. You've got to know the gospel. You've got to know Jesus died in your place for your sins. That he went into a tomb, he was buried for three days, and he rose back to life by the power of God. You've got to know that. You've got to know that you are trusting Jesus when you're baptized. You've got to have some idea what's happening, that when you're baptized, that God is washing away, doing away with your guilt and your sin. You've got to know that you're added to the church and that the Holy Spirit is gifted to you. Now, you're going to grow the rest of your life in appreciation of that you're going to grow in your maturity with that you're going to grow in deepening your love and admiration for God and what he's done for you but at least you got to understand that when you're baptized you're trusting Jesus to forgive you of sins and you're being added to the church it doesn't mean that you'll live perfectly nor does it mean you'll know it all completely but those are some of the basic things that you really need to understand now in light of that so baptism I would have you reconsider if you without immersion or without purpose or without understanding but some ones that I would just have you pause on would be this that if you were baptized for these reasons you understood what you were doing but you left the faith and then you returned if you were baptized properly at first you may have fallen away but you were still a child of God a lost child of God but a child of God think of the story of the prodigal son the, the father calls him a son my son was lost but now he's found my son was died was dead now he's alive he still recognizes him as a child he's saying he was just outside of my family at that time and so he was an erring brother or sister that's what we become when we fall away continual cleansing for the christian whether they fall all the way outside of the church or they just stumble and fall with, as they live inside the church continual cleansing as a christian comes from ongoing confession not repeated baptisms. 1 John 1 9 says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. 1 John 1 7, if we walk in the light as he is the light, the blood of Christ cleanses us. Are you following with me? So, so we practice confession, we practice repentance. That's what cleanses us. Another one I would have you pause on is this that you've grown and matured since your baptism, and now you're starting to doubt what you knew back then. Just simply ask yourself did you know the gospel? Did you trust your sins were forgiven? Did you want to go to heaven? Did you believe Jesus could get you there? Did you trust that? Now here's why I have people pause when they doubt their baptism, but they believe those things. Because here's where Satan gets really sneaky. You see, if you 
maybe you were baptized early or maybe you didn't you weren't very mature but then you grew mature and you but you did when you were baptized know that you trusted jesus maybe you trusted um that you wanted to go to heaven and you knew you needed your sins forgiven you said i want jesus to do this for me if that's what you understood and now you've grown and matured and maybe you're starting to doubt that here's where satan gets sneaky if that's what you believe believed and you trusted to lose faith or trust in that is a sneaky way that satan gets us to trust ourselves and not christ let me explain that you see if you have to get baptized every level of maturity that you reach because you look back and say i was an immature idiot then I, I think that about every 10 years and i cannot wait till i'm like 46 and think how dumb i am right now but like you know about every 10 years before you, you guys are like laughing like you it's gonna be bad huh okay so like you know every like i look back at that 18 year old and man, he was a complete idiot. Like, like, didn't know what he was doing in life. You know, I'm almost like, it, it, you just kind of cower when you think about him. But I do know that night I was baptized. I said, I want Jesus to save me. I want to go to heaven with him. And I trust him. Okay? If I have to get baptized every time I mature, who do I really trust to save me? Jesus or me? It's really contingent upon my maturity. Are you following me? That's the sneaky way Satan gets into, especially our young people that grow up in church. Listen, growing up in church comes with incredible blessings and a few challenges. There are some challenges when you grow up in church because your conversion story is not very miraculous, right? You just kind of took a sidestep and you're in, you know, and you got to take communion finally. But it's just as much a miracle as anybody else. And when you grow up in church, Satan sometimes comes after you and whispers at you that you're a fraud. If you knew the gospel you wanted to go to heaven and you wanted your sins forgiven trust what jesus did for you not what you do for yourself c.s lewis tells this great story there was a day in 1951 and you know c.s lewis the most famous book he ever wrote was um, called mere christianity if you haven't read it you need to read it it's just his outline of what christianity is it's a pretty good read and that was one of the first uh books he wrote it was based on some lectures he gave and in 1951, after he wrote the book called Four Loves, which is the second book you should, no, third book you should read from C.S. Lewis, there came a day passed where he said, um, he said it this way, that there came a day where I passed from mere intellectual acceptance of to a realization of the doctrine that my sins are forgiven. What he was saying is I moved from knowing it to really believing it. And he never called that that moment when he moved there the day of his conversion but what he called it but what he did was he called his belief before he said it was almost like unreal what it was before he was saying i've just matured and i've grown and i've come to deeply understand it more and appreciate it more that's what it really is baptism is a serious commitment it's often called the believer's wedding ceremony in my opinion it's the most important decision you'll make not the job you pick not the college you go to not even the person you marry the most important decision you'll make is do I believe the way of Jesus is the best way to live my life and I know that I need him and I won't be perfect but I want to follow him and I'm going to make a commitment to follow him it is the most important decision you make it involves confession owning what you do believe it involves repentance turning towards God and it involves a lifelong commitment of discipleship and it's the best decision you ever make I hope tonight was a little bit helpful. I know it was a little bit different, but I wanted to equip you if that question comes to you 
or strengthen you if you're having that question yourself. As I mentioned before, this is a question that requires wise Christian counsel. So talk to somebody. We've got a lot of people here who will walk with you through that question. If you need help tonight, or maybe tonight is the night, you just know you need to make a commitment and be baptized into Jesus Christ. I'm standing right here. The church is ready to celebrate with you and sing with the angels. Let's come. Why don't we stand and sing this song?